Welcome to Good Guy Grant's podcast. It's mad decent. This is the Good Guy Grant podcast. I'm your host, Grant. Coming up on today's show, I want to talk about the Super League, even though it has been disbanded. Uh, we'll talk a little, who the fuck is that guy segment, focus on the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll do talk about Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver who has declared for the draft. He's looking to be probably a second rounder to a third round pick. Uh, we'll get you caught up on the baseball standings, so enjoy the episode. want to first start off talking about the, uh, I guess what they call it now is the Super League. That was going around in soccer. Uh, you had 12 of uh, European Space Clubs announced the Super League a few days ago. You had six leagues from the Premier League, which was Chelsea, Manchester United, Man City, Tottenham, Arsenal were in there. You had teams like Barcelona, Real Madrid, uh, Liverpool, like I said, from this uh, Premier League as well. You had a couple other teams, and what they were trying to do as a whole is form this major Super League between 12 of the biggest clubs in the world. And what happened was the other teams that were big that decided not to join, your Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich, they didn't want to join this league. They thought it was kind of strange settings and exactly what happened with this it was kind of up in the air and this was all funded by I get JP Morgan Chase and what JP Morgan Chase was going to do is give a loan deal to each one of these clubs where each of these clubs if the Super League was formed you'd have a chairman a vice president and a president things like that to this league and these 12 teams would play each other as a season and you would have another eight teams come through that basically they would fight to kind of stay up in this league here and there I saw they asked Porto to join Porto said no uh, like I mentioned before they asked Bayern Munich and Dortmund to join they said no but why are these teams trying to form a Super League well it's simple in the Premier League your top six teams make about $325 million a year. That's counting Premier League money, TV rights, if you make Champions League, and what other leagues you play in. So, for instance, every team that makes Champions League every year gets about $75 million. The Premier League, just in television ratings alone, gives another team about $75 million. That's 140 The Premier League, just as league in general, gets about $60 million in general. You know, you type in the revenue streaming, the broadcasting, TV ratings. It's $325 million a year for teams like Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham. Barcelona and Real Madrid, they're in the Spanish League, two top teams in Spain. They make, I would say, probably about 280 to 250 They don't make as much as the Premier League because it's not as popular. But the reason the Super League was formed, it was started off by greedy owners... And the reason was because they wanted to get even more money. So the Manchester United owners are owned by the Glazers, who own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tottenham is owned by Daniel Levy, who's also an owner in American sports. Liverpool is owned by John Henry, who owns the Boston Red Sox as well. Arsenal are owned by Stan Kroenke, who owns the LA Rams. And a couple other teams. I think he owns the Colorado Avalanche and a couple other teams. But the Super League would give these teams $425 million a year in revenue and everything to be able to form this league. 
So think about that. You go from a little over 300 mil to 400 mil. And what they were trying to do, these teams, were double dip on money. Especially the ownership-wise. Now the players and everything didn't have anything to do with it. This was purely owners. And so the owners were trying to play league matches. Like, for instance, the ones in England were trying to do Premier League matches. Playing Champions League, playing Europa League, but then have their Super League games go on during the week. So they were trying to double dip. They were trying to make the 325, 350 million playing in the Premier League and Champions League, and then play in the Super League where they would get that extra 425 million. So that's over 700 million for these teams that they were trying to get. Now where they got caught is they didn't have the backing of the players or most of their. Uh, I would say management team and the fans didn't back it at all. So there was a ton of protests. A lot of people that saying they were going to boycott it. Premier League came out and said, if you form this super team, you are not allowed to play in the Premier League anymore. And you're not allowed to join Champions League, Europa, any of the other leagues. Same for Barcelona. Same for Real Madrid and all that. So the Super League disbanded within about 24 to 48 hours after announcements. And this has been kind of in the cards for... A couple months uh, between these 12 teams. Now the owners already came out and said they apologized for this. They didn't realize you know, the backing and support the fans would have against this. And all the supporters, that's a load of crap. This was all about owners of each of these teams making money. Getting rich. Basically making as much money as possible. And not caring what the fans think. When you're a greedy owner like the Glazers are, and I'm a Manchester United fan, I've been for a while, the Glazers owners have been absolutely horrible since taking over Manchester United over 10 years ago. They put the club in debt. They bought it in debt. They're trying to make money. They don't show up to games as it is. So when you watch a Manchester United game, you don't see ownership at the games a lot of the time. I remember I was reading this story about uh, uh, Stan Kroenke. He's the one that owns the Arsenal football team. And somebody ran into Stan Kroenke at a hotel in California a couple years ago. And Arsenal played earlier that day, and they came back and won a game. It was in, I think it was either FA Cup or Europa. And the fan went up to Stan Kroenke and said, Man, what a comeback today. And Stan Kroenke look at, looked at him like, What are you talking about? He doesn't even follow Arsenal's game. He doesn't go to games. He hasn't been to an Arsenal game in over two years. And don't blame COVID for that, because he wasn't going even before that. John Henry, once baseball season starts the Boston Red Sox, John Henry doesn't care about Liverpool. He doesn't go over there. The Glazers don't go to Manchester United but a couple times a year. Very rarely do you see them in the stands. These are American owners of these teams. Daniel Levy, like I said, he's the owner of Tottenham, who wanted to get rich even more than they already are. They're already billionaires. I think Stan Kroenke's net worth is over $6 million for Arsenal. The Glazers are worth over $4 billion, as it is. They were trying to double dip to make extra money. That's all this was. It was owners trying to make money. Instead of making the $350 million a year you're making right now, they wanted to make an extra $425 million. They don't care about the clubs. They don't care what's going on. They just want to make money. And it's greed, and it's money, and it's power. And they just said, screw it. We're going to make as much as we can possible. We don't care about the fans and the ownership. Those sorry letters that the owners came out with, you know, Joe Glazer, uh, John Henry, all that, they don't mean crap. The fans know that. What's going to happen next? There's supposed to be protests at games on this coming Saturday for Tottenham's game and also for Manchester United game. Basically protests to get the owners to sell these clubs. Will it happen? 
I doubt it. The one good thing that came out of this for Manchester United is President Ed Woodward has stepped down. He is honestly one of the worst presidents of soccer that I've ever seen. His transfer knowledge and being able to bring good players to the club has been absolutely atrocious for the past eight years. So I'm glad that Ed Woodward is stepping down. I hope the Glazers end up selling this team to somebody who will buy it. But the big problem they're going to have is you have to find somebody that's offering enough money. The Glazer family turned down around $4 billion about two years ago from the Saudi Arabia ownership group that was trying to buy Manchester United. Glazers turned them down. That's $4 billion. There's not a lot of people in this world that have that kind of money, for one. So it's going to be tough. Now, everybody's talking about, you know, if the fans come together and put money together, they can buy, the, buy out the Glazers, things like that. I don't see that happening right now. You have to have a rich guy be able to come in and say, you know, I want to buy this club. But you have to have the financial backing of a person to be able to buy these types of clubs. And that's what's going to make it difficult. Do I think Stan Kroenke, John Henry, the Glazers, Daniel Levy should all sell these clubs? Absolutely. It's going to come down to the point to where the England government is going to have to get involved and force these clubs to sell, these owners to sell these clubs. And it's going to come down to that. I already saw Boris Johnson, you know, the president of uh, the state of England and Britain, has already come out basically saying, I don't know why these owners did what they did, but they shouldn't be allowed to get away with it. There's going to be punishment coming down to the Premier League teams, as well as, I believe, to Real Madrid and Barcelona. The architects, like I said, of this, you had Joel Glazer, who was set to be one of the top officials in the Super League. You had uh, Perez, who was the one of the architects of Real Madrid. He was going to be like the, the co-captain in the Super League. They have to suffer, whether it's taking points away from this team, forcing the owners to sell, something has to happen. My opinion, these owners have to go, bring in an owner that actually cares about the club, who actually wants to invest money in the club smartly. Since the Glazers have taken over Manchester United, they've invested over a billion dollars in transfer money to buy new players, which sounds like a lot, but the way they spend money is absolutely atrocious. Manchester United has not won a champion or won a Premier League in over 10 years since Sir Alex Ferguson was there. When you look at their transfer, the players they brought in, what they sold, it's absolutely atrocious. The Glazers are one of only two teams in all of the Premier League to take dividends out of the club instead of reinvesting it back into the club. And you know the only other team to do that had to do it because they were going bankrupt, so they take dividends. The Glazers are not going bankrupt. It's basically a cash cow for them. It's a way for them to make money. These owners must go. They must sell. The government, even if the government has to get involved and say and force them to sell, you know, so be it. I wanted to touch on that. Um, in my feelings, you know, a lot of fans came out and said, you know, if the Super League would have would have started up, they wouldn't have watched games. They wouldn't have supported the team. Blah blah blah. I would have still watched them. I'm not going to sit here and lie. Was I upset with the Super League? Yeah. Do I understand why the owners did it? Yeah, they wanted to make more money. Greedy people want to be even more greedy. It happens in everyday world. I'm not surprised. These owners have been absolutely atrocious for years. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, you know, if the Super League would have happened, I would have stopped watching Manchester United football. That's not true at all. I would have continued to watch them, support them, you know, each and every week regardless. You know, there's people that want to boycott, things like that. If you don't do that, that's fine. I think every sports fan goes through a period in their life where they say, you know, I'm not supporting this team, I'm not watching them, blah, 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 and then what happens the very next game, you watch the game. I've done that. I'm not afraid to share, share that. I've done that. It happens. 
Every sports fan goes through that. You know what it happens every each and every time. These owners must go, and hopefully the government steps in and forces the owners of these clubs to sell, regardless of their apology letters and their crap that they did to be able to get this done. Now, I want to focus on who the fuck is that guy's segment. We're actually going to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, right now, the record in the NBA is 16-43. and 43. They are fifth in the Northwest Division. The guy I want to focus on, it was tough to find the Minnesota Timberwolves guys I didn't know. Because honestly, I know almost their entire roster. I know it's shocking because the Timberwolves are horrible. I want to focus on Jalen Noel. He is a six foot four guard, 201 pounds. He's out of Washington, the state. He actually played at the University of Washington from 2017 to 2019. He was a second round pick in 2019, 43rd overall. At the University of Washington in 2017 to 2018, he actually averaged 16 points, four rebounds, shot 45%. In his second year at the University of Washington, he started 36 games, averaged 16 points, five rebounds, shot 50% from the field. He declared early for the NBA draft back in 2019, ends up going in the second round, 43rd overall. His 2019 to 2020 season with the Minnesota Timberwolves, he played in 15 games, averaged almost four points, and shot 35% from the field, which is not very good, but he's a young player. Like I said, he's only 21. Uh, this season, he's actually, he's getting a little better this season. He's appeared in 38 games, averages about 18.8 minutes a game, almost 10 points, two rebounds, shooting 42% from the field. The biggest thing with the Minnesota Timberwolves and why they're so bad is defensively they're absolutely atrocious, one of the worst in the league. You got players who just don't buy into defense, and that's what the biggest issue is. They have building blocks, which are good, and Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, the rookie out of Georgia, which is good. Uh, Josh Koji's a good role player. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, who has to get healthy. If he's healthy, he's good. But those players don't play defense. That's the number one thing. I think they overpaid when they got Malik Beasley. He's making over $13 million a year. Jared Culver is still on a rookie deal. He needs to improve. He's in his second year out of Texas Tech. Uh, you got guys like um, Jaden McDaniels, the rookie out of Washington. Uh, you got uh, Nas Reed, who's the backup center. Ricky Rubio, who I think's passed it. He's making $17 million a year. Jared Vanderbilt, who's getting a little bit of playing time, but not very good. Um, but yeah, until they buy into defense, this team will not do anything. They won't be any better. And like I said, the guy we're focusing on is uh, Jalen Noel. He's the guy, six foot four, two hundred one pounds. He's out of the University of Washington, second round pick, 2019. Uh, you hope with a guy him being as young as he is, like I said, he's 21. He's averaging almost 10 points a game, which is not too bad. But you hope that he can keep developing. But with this team, you have to play defense. If you don't play defense, you're not going to win very many games. And that's exactly the reason why this team as a whole. Is not playing very well. They're not doing well. They're not playing well. They gotta get back to basics in order to win some games. That's the who the fuck is that guy segment. It's on Jalen Noel. Like I said, second round pick, 2019, out of University of Washington for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Next thing I'm gonna focus on, with the draft being next week, I wanna focus on one of the draft prospects. It's Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a wide receiver. He's out of USC. He actually played a couple years at USC, starting in 2018. When he was a freshman, appeared in 11 games, caught 60 balls for 750 yards, 3 TDs. 2019, appeared in 13 games, had 77 catches, 
1,042 yards, 6 TDs. Pretty good year. In 2020 at USC, he kind of battled injuries, played 6 games, still had 41 catches, 478 yards, 7 TDs. His quarterback, which is Kendall Slovich, is actually going to be a high draft pick next year. But the thing that kind of caught my eye with this guy is I was reading a story about him. His dad's actually a three-time bodybuilding champion. His brother is Emmanuel, Emmanuel St. Brown. He plays for the Green Bay Packers. His mom came over to this country only speaking German and French. Amon Ra St. Brown sp speaks three languages, French, German, and English. He's fluent in all three of them. He's expected to be either a second-round pick or third-round pick. But the fact is, they did an interview on him, and then he talked about how his dad you know, taught him how to eat well, to stay hydrated and everything because his dad was a bodybuilder. You got to be able to do that in order to be a bodybuilder, lift all the weights, things like that. He's strong as hell in terms of, of physical strength, things like that. He's six foot one, about 195 pounds. He's 21. Like I say, he played at USC. But to have a mother who doesn't speak very good English, like I said, she speaks German and French. And then to have a dad who's a bodybuilder. So when he talks to his mother, he only talks to her in German. When he talks to his dad, he talks to him in English which I thought was kind of interesting when I saw that. Um, but just reading that story and everything, if you get a chance, it's on NFL.com. It's a really interesting story to be able to read, you know, the, the grow-ups and everything. Whenever friends would come over to the house to hang out with Amran Ra, they would hear his conversations between his mom and himself to where he would they would speak German to each other, and his friends would want to speak German as well, so that way they can understand what was going on. But it's, it's a really interesting kind of conversation when you look at it um, right now. I think he's going to go between the end of the second round to third round uh, right now in the draft, which is not too bad. It uh, just depends on what team he does and how well he performs on the field. That'll determine you know, his fate and everything kind of going forward. But, yeah, if you got a chance, read that article. It's on NFL.com. We'll look at baseball standings as of right now. In the American League East, we got the Boston Red Sox 12-6. and six. I was kind of surprised by that. The thing that surprised me about the Red Sox record is they're 6-1 and one on the road. I thought that was kind of... Interesting seeing, you know, where the roster's been and things like that. you got Tampa in second at 10-8. and eight. The Yankees are in last in that division at 6-10. and 10. Wow, that's rough. In the American League Central, you got the only team that is over 500 in the Kansas City Royals at 9-7. and seven. The Indians are 8-8. Eight and eight. The White Sox are 9-9. Nine and nine. you got the Tigers, of course, in last. In the American League West, I tell you what. The Seattle Mariners have kind of come out of nowhere and actually had a really good season so far. I mean, they only played 18 games, but they're 11 and 7. They're tied with Oakland in that division. That's pretty good. The Angels are 9 and 6. Of course, you're led by Mike Trout for them. The Astros are actually in last. For the National League East, you got the Mets 7 and 5. Uh, 8 and 9 are the Miami Marlins. You got my Reds. I don't expect this to continue at 9 and 6. Got the Milwaukee Brewers ten and seven, and the St. Louis Cardinals at eight and nine. You got the Dodgers fourteen and four, San Francisco Giants eleven and six, and the Padres at ten and nine in the National League West. So not too bad. Now, if you're keeping up with stats and you know who's the leader and things like that and such, remember it's only you're only eighteen games in, so it's not a ton of you know look at me, look at me. You got Ronald Acuna Jr. right now leading Major League Baseball with an average of four nineteen. Brandon Nemo. Uh, 395, Xander Bogarts, uh, 393, that's in all of baseball, Mike Trout, 5th at 385, you got Ronald Acuna Jr. with 7 home runs, 
uh, Wilson Ramos, the catcher for the Tigers. He actually has six home runs. And then my guy Tyler Naquin of the Reds tied for second. J.D. Martinez right now leading the baseball and runs batted in with 20. And then Jake McGee is actually leading in saves with six. Uh, Shane Bieber is right now the strikeout leader with 48. And complete games in terms of quality starts. You got Corman Burns for the Milwaukee Brewers with four quality starts so far. Again, it's only it's early in baseball. You're only 18 games in, but that's something to watch. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and enjoyed the rest of your day.